The Manage Smarter Show is brought to you by SalesQuid, the app that helps salespeople discover why they miss quota and what to do about it. Find out more at salescred.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter Podcast. You know, Lee, you and I have both worked at agencies, but different kinds of agencies. I work for public relations firm in Denver. Um, back and in I the worked day. for an advertising agency as well. So, mm-hmm. uh, but that was a bit uh, a while ago. You know, that was before Mother Google and everything like that. So that that's one of the things that I'm kind of kind of curious about. But it, it, you know, back in those days, even still, it was a clash of personalities, and oh, it, yeah. was, uh, it was it was it was a different world than, than some of the other things that you and I have have, have done afterwards. So, uh, you know, the the need for managing those personalities and coaching those personalities is. Uh, very necessary in agency world, and that's and also those are lessons that can that can translate to management of any team, you know, in, in any organization. Yep. So our guest today, perfect for this. Welcome to Manage Smarter, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong. I'm the Vice President of Communications here at Sales Fuel, and I'm Celie Smith. I am the President and Founder of Sales Fuel. You want a guy who can talk about complex communication problems among team members on a big account in an agency? Scott Waldron is your guy. Hi, Scott. <laughs> Welcome. Hey, Audrey. Hey, Lee. How y'all doing? Good to see you again, Scott. Good to see you. You too. You too. So for those of you that don't know Scott, for the past uh, two decades, his work for clients, he's got J.P. Morgan Chase, the CDC, Georgia Tech, Royal Caribbean, or Caribbean, however you'd like to say it, (laughs) Sesame Workshop, Home Depot, and Coca-Cola, national and international communication programs he's been creating for them. He's an internal communication strategist who uses his extensive knowledge of brand development to build loyalty among individuals, teams, and organizations. But unlike most communication problems out there, he coaches leaders and employees to become liberators using programs that are simple, scalable, and sustainable. Boy, that's a great trifecta. I don't know any agency that's been able to <laughs> to, to do that Not well, <laughs> I know you pick one, right? Pick one. Yeah, pick two. Oh, you got job security two. there, Scott. Job security. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying. So, I mean, I guess Lee and I were talking. What's the first question for people that are listening that have never worked within an agency? Like, what is your take on agency life and the challenges of agency life, Scott? I, you know, working in an agency, be, you know, coming out of school and coming right on board and being an employee at an agency, I didn't know what I didn't know, right? I went to school and I learned about typography and about color and about, you know, how to, how to solve complex communication challenges visually, right? Taking problems from a client and saying, Hey, how are we going to, how are we going to solve this right through a communication medium, through a visual communication medium. And so that's what I learned as a graphic designer. And that's, I learned the tools and I learned how to, you know, shape that type of communication. Now, what I didn't learn, because when I got into my, my agency world and I started as, as an employee, I just kind of did my thing and it was cool. We were in an old renovated bowling alley that was super awesome. And it was fun and the culture was cool and we all got along great. Um, well, I would say the culture is cool. The the atmosphere, right, of mm-hmm. of the place mm-hmm. where we worked and how we, all those things, it was, it was great, right? Um, 
But, you know, my bosses at the time, amazing people that they were and are, because I still have communication with them and stay in touch. I mean, they didn't weren't taught leadership, right? In an agency world. And they just let us how they thought to lead people. And there was a lack of transparency. I'll just say it, right? There was a lack of transparency. These guys are beautiful, salt of the earth. I've watched their kids for years. It's it's awesome. Like it's it's great. But lack of transparency. Um, lack of effective communication, um, kind of passive aggressiveness at times. And it was just kind of like all these things we're trying tiptoeing around all these ideas and they knew how to be makers because they were at one time designers, but they didn't really know how to be managers. And that's what, you know, trap I fell into became a, becoming a managing partner of my own firm. I actually opened up the Atlanta office for that, for that firm, uh, seven years later, I fell into the same trap. I wasn't trained and I led my people the same way. Lack of transparency, not really effective at communicating things. It's kind of tiptoed around things, right? It just, I think that's the biggest problem, right? And I think that it's this lack of self-awareness and lack of how to correctly communicate internally because we think we're brilliant communicators externally already because that's what we do mm -hmm. as careers that's what we learned in school so i don't need communication training i do that every day and yet we're some of the worst internal communicators oh, yeah. some of the worst right yeah, and yeah. i i don't think i think everybody out there is going uh-huh uh -huh. like i know what you're talking about right because we've either we either live it ourselves or we're exposed to it in some way it just it just happens and I, so i think that that's that's a big problem and it's a different skill set it's a classic case of what got you here won't get you there yeah, you know, so, so management leader leadership and like a totally different skill set than being a storyteller or a designer or a video production expert or something like that, right? Totally different. Totally yeah. different. It's not, you know, typography one on one does not teach you anything about how to manage difficult conversations. Mm -hmm. Well, I said to leave it at the PR agency I worked at. Every account you were set up uh, solely in teams. You were never a solo practitioner within the agency. So you were always just switched out with different buckets and different accounts and things. And the agency model really forces the, the, the team thing. And if you're somebody who doesn't work well on teams or doesn't lead teams, well, that can be a big problem. I mean, I would think. Yeah. And I, you know what, and I know we're talking about the creative world here, mm -hmm. but you're, I mean, this translates to totally. every industry, right? If, you, yes. if we're talking about sales, let's, let's just talk about sales. Okay. Right. Um, the world y'all come from, it's this idea of, oh my gosh, Audrey is an amazing salesperson. Let's promote her. That's what we do, right? Maybe we that promote mistake. them. <laughs> And then they not, move not up. Not Audrey, it was somebody else. Audrey, <laughs> I, I Audrey was it. a good hire. I get, yeah. <laughs> I get it. But it's like, hey, George, we're just using it as an example, right? But Audrey's yeah. a great <laughs> salesperson. Let's promote Audrey. And then we're going to have her teach other people how to be great salespeople. But yet, you know, there may be a lack of training invested in Audrey as far as leadership's concerned. I'm not saying that there is or there is. I'm just with Audrey. But you get what I'm saying, right? Yeah. It just happens. We promote people because they're good at their job. But it doesn't necessarily mean they're good leaders.
Well, you know, you look at like in sports, you know, it's like some of the worst managers or coaches have, have been, you know, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, people like that, where it just comes naturally to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and they haven't had to learn all the little intricacies or whatever to, to get to be great. They were just naturally great. And some of the best managers and coaches are the ones that basically that were the utility short stuff who sat the bench most of the time and everything like that, but was there soaking everything up and had to work really hard at, at the block and tackle stuff and, and the fundamentals to actually you know get to the stay at, at a level where they could you know be on the same field and on the same bench with those people those people seem to be the ones that uh you know seem to make the best coaches and managers so it's like the same thing kind of applies here in business too it does it does and i think that when you look at the nuances of what it takes to be a good leader it's self self-awareness right mm-hmm. good communication the ability and the willingness to build trust in relationships, the knowledge of what it takes to align teams, and then how do we put teams together to execute well and recognize our ability to have capacity, secession planning, or any types of things, right? So there's those five different components that I talk about a lot with teams. And it all starts though with the communication piece at the beginning of self-awareness. If I'm not self-aware, I'm probably not going to be aware of how you communicate either Mm -hmm. and then why there's so much conflict with how how we're trying to get this project across the finish line or why why there's this tendency or that tendency so i think that when we we look those things like there's so much to uncover and a lot of people are just accidental and how they lead they just go about and just say well i'm just the way i am and you're just the way you are and you know we'll just kind of get through this thing but you know People could have rode around on square wheels for a long time and gotten around eventually, but you know, it would have done a lot of damage in the process and probably wouldn't have been too comfortable. So as a creative yourself, what are some of the the challenges of managing creative types? Well, we, um, most of us that are more on the, I guess, creative side of that, as far as designing or doing the types of work that way are more of the, what if scenario, right? Big picture thinkers. We are the ones that are more, um, kind of, we, we can tend to be a lot of introverts, right. In the sense that we're processing a lot in our heads and we're thinking about things and processing things and trying things out and mulling things over internal perfectionists, right. We can start to, we, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be refined. It needs to be this. And then you have other people that are maybe on the you know business side, right? Maybe it's the accountants, maybe it's some of the project managers that are going to be more of the task oriented the people that are going to be more on the, Hey, on time, on budget, let's not squander resources. Let's make sure. And then those personalities clash, right. And they are pulling in different directions for different reasons. And they're just complaining about each other. Right. So it creates silos. It creates an us against them mentality and it creates, Oh, they, you know, those salespeople, they promise the world. And then mm-hmm. it's like, these designers have to go do stuff. And then the project managers are like, why can't I ever get anything on time? Cause you guys want to perfect. It's good enough. Just get it out the door. Right. So I think that there's a lot of lack of understanding about the other people. Cause we're all in a me world, right? It's all about me and my problems and what you're doing to me and causing me to look bad in front of my clients. So what are some of the simple ways that you recommend your clients? You tell your clients how, how to fix this. Give us some tips. 
Well, number one, I do think it is self-awareness. It all starts yeah. there. So mm -hmm. whether, and I, I am a believer in personality assessments to an extent, right? And so we use one called the five voices, which is a simplified version of Myers-Briggs. If any of y'all know the Myers-Briggs personality assessment, then you know, you've been there. Now, what usually happens with these, whether it's DISC or Myers-Briggs or Colby or Enneagram or whatever strengths finders is that you take this assessment whether it's an online assessment or somebody comes in and gives it to you, you get a cool report that's all about you. And you go, wow, that's so cool. That is me. That's so like me. And you go home, you tell your spouse about it or whatever. And then you put it in your drawer and you don't look at it for another mm -hmm. year, right? It sits there and you're just like, I don't know what to do with this thing. Here's the problem. Information transfer does not lead to transformation. Okay? Mm -hmm. I can transfer information all day. But without application, there's no transformation. Mm -hmm. So I believe strongly in, yes, let's do the assessment, but then let's use simple, like I said, like in the bio, right? Simple, sustainable, scalable tools that are highly visual, very simple to digest because we're in a really quick world to implement, to use what we use in that assessment to then reiterate and practice communication tips and tools and how to manage, you know, gossip and how to make sure that we're building influence in the right way with other people. So, so it starts with the communication piece. You, you mentioned a, a topic there that I, that I wanted to touch on then too. It's like with the people not understanding each other's roles and, you know, and talking about each other and that sideways conversation happens a lot you know, in, in that environment. So what tips would you give the managers then as far as dealing with gossip, sideways conversation and, and helping people get to talk to each other instead of talk about each other? This is good. It's called, uh, it's a tool. We have a tool specifically for this. There's 60 plus tools that I teach clients, oh, right? Great. One of them is called go to the source. Um, and so we've got here, let's go, let's use all of us. And then we've got three of us. This is perfect. This okay? is perfect. <laughs> so Lee, has a problem with something I said, right? Something I did. And so Lee says, you know what? That super annoyed me. And he sees Audrey and maybe they go out to lunch together or something. And Lee's like, you know, Audrey, Scott did this thing. It's super annoying. I can't believe he does. He does it all the time. All the time. And it's, it's all the time. I can't, <laughs> all the time, Lee. I'm sorry. I'll stop. I'll stop one day. Wow, tell me all more. All the time. And so Audrey has a choice at this point, right? Now, Lee deciding to go to Audrey, maybe he just wants to get it off his chest. Maybe he's just like, he's so frustrated, right? And he's an extrovert. So he likes to just get his thoughts out and process it and think about it and get some feedback, make sure he's not crazy, mm -hmm. you know, some validation. Audrey can decide to either be a conduit for that and say, you know what, Lee, you're right. Scott is a jerk. He's done that to me now. Is that really? I can't believe he did that to you. He did that to me last week. Hey, and then they go and like somebody, Tom, have, did Scott do that to you too? Right. And so mm -hmm. now we're building up an us against them. So, cause Audrey has now been a conduit for this information. She could also be a firewall. She can go, mm -hmm. okay, Lee, I get it. Like I validate that. That sucks. You know, have you talked to Scott about this? Mm -hmm. You know, like I'm going to stop this right here. This is something you need to talk to him about. Now, there are caveats with this. Maybe Lee doesn't feel safe talking to me because I'm a dominator and I crush Lee every time he comes to talk to me about anything. I get it, right? Um, the goal here is to 
bridge to make sure that there is that conversation happening. Maybe there has to be a third party involved. Maybe somebody from HR comes in or maybe another colleague comes in and sits with you and he's like, Hey, let's just have this conversation. I brought in a third person. Cause I, and you agree to that beforehand. Right. But like, we need to resolve this somehow. And so I brought Audrey into this conversation and I want to have a, so it's, are you a conduit or are you a firewall? Right. Mm-hmm. Are you, are you throwing gasoline on the fire mm-hmm. or are you trying to extinguish it or control it like a controlled burn? Right. Cause it's burning, but like, let's control the burn. But you can, you, you can express empathy for how the other person feels. You can let them vent a little bit and everything like that. But then it's like, you're, you're right. It's like at that point in time, you're either participating or you're not participating. And if you're participating, then you're part of the problem, not part of the solution. Amen. Well said. I have a question about agency life. So whether it's an ad agency or a PR agency or a marketing agency, I just know we would sit in the conference rooms tossing around ideas for creative or this campaign or that campaign. And it has to be like a healthy, non-aggressive disagreement over what this ad campaign is going to be or what the tagline is and this and that. That's That was like hours and hours and hours and hours. And days. And we have people that maybe you don't get along with. What are your tips for people that work at agencies in terms of a productive way to disagree and have those? Learn what everybody likes on their pizza. (laughs) Because you're going to eat a lot of it. That's it. (laughs) Frequent breaks, you know, Um, places for people to go vent, Um, uh, you know, panic room. But part of the process of work product at agencies is that process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, it totally is. And here's, here's the thing, right? Is that you, and I did the same thing. We sat in a room for days, right. And, and just processed and whiteboarded and drew all these things out. Um, I think it's understanding again, the personalities on your team. What do I bring to the table? What do I value? What do you bring to the table? What do you value? If we have all of the same rubber stamp people sitting in a room, we're probably going to get along-ish, but we may not ever get anything done. If there's a bunch of me sitting in a glass bowl trying to develop a bunch of taglines, I'm going to be like, hey, let's just brainstorm on this thing for a while. Eventually, we'll get to some execution. But I think it's understanding, do we have every voice at the table? Mm-hmm. And, and and valuing those voices, because that's one thing. I can know all about me. Self-awareness. Okay, cool. Say I'm self-aware, but am I others aware as well? Like. Am I aware of what Lee brings to the table and what Audrey brings to the table and then what Tom brings to the table and Janice brings to the table? And then I can assemble the right people to be in that room Mm -hmm. and say, hey, you know, me and Lee, we sit there and we brainstorm all day. Audrey keeps us on point though. Audrey's going to make sure that she lays down the hammer and says, guys, this is the goal of today. This is how we're going to accomplish things. This is what I want by three o'clock today. Okay. And so and then we just need to have some understanding on that, right? So I think that it's understanding the the strengths and the challenges of each person and do we have every voice at the table. And also then looking at how they behave under stress because we have that three mm-hmm. o'clock deadline that, that you mentioned. Or if we don't come through with this and and change the metrics around, we're going to lose this big account. So, you know, and somehow how people react under stress as as you've learned through all the assessment work that you've done, the coaching work that you've done is different. And we have to look at that from a different lens, right? We do. We all manage stress a little bit different, right? Some of us that are 
more, we may be super quiet. We may be more reserved. We may tend to, you know, what we call the nurturer, right? Be all about the people on the team, make sure everything, everybody's heard and valued, understood. We don't want the limelight, but when we get super stressed as nurturers, not necessarily me, I'm not necessarily a nurturer in that sense, but one of the five voices is the nurturer. And once, once they feel super stressed, they start to catastrophize. They start to doom and gloom a lot of things. They start to just say, woe is me. Nobody values me. Nobody appreciates me. This thing's doomed. I don't know what we're going to do. And so, and everybody's like, whoa, that's not like you. You're not usually like that, right? Um, And so I think that when those types of things happen or certain people become super controlling under stress, all of a sudden, all relational niceties go out the door and they just need control. And so they become dominating in a situation, micromanaging in a situation. And then I start to think, so here's another one of my things. Let's move from critique to curiosity. Okay. Critique to curiosity. Instead of me going, that person is super micromanaging. Did you see that? Super micromanaging. What's their problem? Right. Instead of going, huh, there's. Well, have you talked I'm... to Audrey about that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jab. I, the, instead of saying, yeah. instead of saying, what's going on here with, with this micro, this micromanaging thing is affecting me. I should sit there and go, I wonder what's going on and start to look for those signs of stress mm. in their life and go, okay, they're under stress right now. And say, hey, you know, Lee. I sense a little bit of stress. I sense you're getting a little bit micromanaging on this thing here more than usual. I want to see more than usual. I want to see <laughs> what's going what's happening here, right? So that's that's the deal, right? We can learn mm-hmm. to recognize the triggers in other people and that's so empowering. Absolutely, so, especially when you're about to lose a client or a big client is going away or you have a bad client you need to fire. I mean, people at the expansion and contraction of staff in agencies that yeah, and with that, so as stressful. a manager, then you 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 have to eventually lay off people when you when, yep. when you contract like that. So, what what quick advice would you have to managers in dealing with that in an empathetic but yet effective manner? Um, layoffs, yeah, in yeah. particular. Um, so, I think one of the biggest things that I can uh, emphasize for for people and and layoffs is: Are you for are you for that, that person, right? Laying them are you, like, and, and at that layoff time, it's probably going to be a little too late because if you've been a dominating jerk for four years and now you have to do a layoff at that point, letting that person know you're for them, is probably not going to do a lot of good, right? So building your personal brand over those four years is really important. Those little micro moments that you have with that individual to let them know that you're for them. If I have an employee and they know that I am for them. When I have that layoff, I'll be like, listen, things are rough, but I've got this other opportunity. I've got somebody at another agency that I'm really close to that says they have an opening and I've set you up with that interview if you're if you want that, right? Like then that person can go, Wow, Scott always knew they were for me. They even had, I mean, they laid me off. It sucks. Like I'm really bummed right now. I need that money. But they actually hooked me up with this other people that possibly, you know. Like, even if it doesn't work out, they're still, they'll never forget that. They'll never yeah. forget that, man, I was laid off one time, but Scott even like hooked me up with this other opportunity. And your paths will cross again. I see too, so many people these days oh. willing to burn bridges to the ground, you know, but, but it's like, you know, we, we, we never burn those because particularly in this particular industry or whatever, it's like, you know, tomorrow, whatever might be your boss again, or you might be mm-hmm. my boss. It's, it's the world's too small, man. 
it's too small and uh, you do, you cross paths too much. Well, it's scottwaldron.com is your website and it's S-K-O-T, everybody. It's a very cool spelling of your name, W-A-L-D-R-O-N. And are you taking any new clients, Scott? We, we wrapping up here. I, I am. I'm, okay. I, so here's the thing. Right now I'm pretty jam-packed um, as far as professional speaking and coaching right now is concerned. Um, I have the new year's coming up. Right. And right now we're in 2022, 2023 is coming up and I will have some capacity. Then I've got some offboarding that I'm doing right now. And so I would love to talk more. If y'all want to visit that website, um, go to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, there's some, a lot of free resources out there for y'all. Sounds good. Thanks for being on the show. Great tips. Good stuff. Thanks Thank you guys. Again. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.